What's up? This is Jonathan Smith, your host here at Shooting the Schmidt. I hope you're having a fantastic day. I have an absolutely loaded podcast for you. We're getting into the college football playoff, Florida State, the odd team out. The NBA in-season tournament starts tonight, and of course, we're going to hit on the NFL as well. So as I said, loaded podcast. I hope you enjoy it. Here we go. start this podcast with the college football playoff this is really I think the first time this season that I'm leading on a Monday with college football instead of the NFL this is one of the few times where the the college football story is better than the NFL story and I can't wait to get into it so in case you don't get on Twitter in case you don't watch TV in case you missed it here is the final six for this year's college football season Georgia at six Florida State at five Alabama at 4, Texas at 3, Washington at 2, and Michigan at 1. And let me just say it outright. The committee got this 100% absolutely correct, okay? And I know there's some people right now listening, they're like, Jonathan, I'm so glad that you agree with me. I'm so glad that you wanted to see the four best teams in the country make the playoff. Hey, man, me too. And then there's others of you who are like, Florida State should have been in, 13-0, they won the ACC, how can they leave out an undefeated Power 5 an undefeated Power 5 Conference champion? And it's a great question. Let me answer it for you. So first off, I know that Florida State went 13-0. I know that they won the ACC. But they have two different resumes. They have two different resumes. They have one resume where they went 11-0 and where they beat LSU by three touchdowns and they looked like a complete team with Jordan Travis. Then they have the 2-0 resume without Jordan Travis where they barely beat Florida when Florida played with a backup quarterback, and then in the ACC championship game, they barely beat Louisville, who's nowhere near as good as Alabama, Michigan, Texas, or Washington. They aren't. Okay, there's a reason why Florida State opened up as 13.5 point underdogs to Georgia, who the committee has told you they don't think is one of the four best teams in the country. Okay, they would have been major underdogs to whoever they played because of this awful injury. And look, I feel bad for Florida State. It sucks. But they aren't a top-four team without Jordan Travis. Okay, if the committee had put Florida State in the playoff, then they would have made themselves irrelevant because the BCS computers, the things that everybody hated, would have spat out a rankings with Florida State in the fourth spot and Alabama in the fifth. But they made the proper call that Florida State is not a top four team without Jordan Travis. And look, if you don't like that Alabama got in over them, I'm sorry. But they have several good wins. They have more good wins than Florida State does. Florida State, their best win is LSU in week one. Meanwhile, Alabama just beat Georgia, who finished ranked 6th. They beat Ole Miss, who's ranked 11th. Tennessee, who's ranked 21st. And LSU, who's ranked 13th. That's four wins over top 25 teams, compared to Florida State's three over 15th-ranked Louisville, who they barely beat. Clemson, who climbs in at 22nd. And LSU, who's ranked 13th. They had more top 25 wins and won a tougher conference, Alabama did, than Florida State did. And even if Jordan Travis hadn't gotten hurt, Alabama still would have had a very strong case to be in the playoff. Okay, I know this is going to upset people. And, you know, you're either on the four best teams or the most deserving thing. And here's just the truth. Here's just the way that life works. Here's the way that college football does and should continue to work. It's about the best teams. 
It's not about the most deserving. That's what it's about, right? And when we look at life, no no one ever, if you've ever had to hire anybody, they don't tell you to hire the most deserving person. They tell you to hire the best person. And that's what the College Football Playoff Committee's job is. Their job is to identify the four best teams. And Florida State, without Jordan Travis, is not one of the four best teams. That is what they told us in 2014. That was the goal. We want to identify the four best teams at the end of the year. That was their goal. And that's exactly what they did this year. Four best teams. Alabama, Texas, Washington, and Michigan. Now, Personally, I put Washington in front of Michigan because I just think they have more good wins than Michigan does, but I'm not going to get too, too upset about it. I think also my favorite thing from the rankings coming out was seeing the reaction reaction of Michigan when they saw that they had to play Alabama. It was funny. Now, a lot of the pushback on this Alabama thing has to do with how the SEC was down this year, right? The SEC's down. The SEC, not that good. The SEC was down this year. Fair enough. But guess what? The SEC was still the best conference in the country. Okay, in a down year, the SEC would have had the most representatives in a 12-team playoff. They would have had four representatives, Alabama, Georgia, Missouri, and Ole Miss. Four of them. And then LSU, you can make a really strong case for the fact that Penn State would have made the 12-team playoff. I think it's ridiculous. But either way... They would have had the most representatives out of any other conference in the 12-team playoff. And they had the most ranked teams to end the year. They did. Alabama at 4, Georgia at 6, Missouri at 9, Ole Miss at 11, LSU at 13, and then Tennessee at 21. That is 6 total. The next closest were the Big 10, the Big 12, and the Pac-12, all tied with 4 ranked teams. That was it. We look at the ACC. They had 4 ranked teams as well to end the season. I mean... The SEC, it was the best conference, and the SEC won the best conference. And they're only going to get better. They're adding Oklahoma and Texas. And I think my favorite thing about the committee putting in Alabama is I think teams are going to be more willing now to play hard games out of conference. Because, look, if you're Alabama and you don't get put in, they're like, you know what, we're going to do Florida State. That is telling Alabama in the future to not schedule Texas. It's telling Alabama, no. Go play FCS whoever. Beat them by 60 so you can go so you can go 13-0 and be in the playoff. Because guess what? If Alabama had decided to not play Texas and they had decided to play FCS whoever, then they would have won that game. They would have finished the year at 13-0 and there would be no question that they should be in over Florida State. There would be no question that they should probably be the number one ranked team in the country. But I'm so glad that the committee decided to do what was right and put them in over Florida State. Okay? It sucks for Florida State. I know it does. But now I think this is going to lead to us seeing more tough non-conference games. I'm really excited. Thank you again, committee, for doing the right thing. Alabama, 1,000% should have been in that four spot. Um, I'm telling you right now, I've, I've already got a decent idea of who I'm going to pick to win these games. But, you know, we're going to wait a bit, right? We, we've got until New Year's Day until these games come out. So I'm going to give it a couple weeks, really kind of think over things again, and then I will, I'll give you my picks in the coming weeks. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to get into the NFL, AFC South, Niners, Eagles, going to break that one down as well. Should be really good. So we're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back with more Shooting the Schmidt. So the Colts 
are now clinging to the seventh spot in the AFC after beating the Titans in overtime, 31-28, two block punts, back-to-back. Just an absolutely wild game. If you didn't watch it, you really missed out. Back and forth, fantastic game. Um, so great. So Colts currently holding on to that seventh spot, but there are three other teams in the AFC sitting at 7-5. and five. Okay, so the four, five, excuse me, the five, six, and seven seeds are all seven and five, and then the Texans are sitting at seven and five as well on the outside, looking into the playoffs. So let's start working through all these teams. As I just said, Colts beat the Titans, Steelers lose to the Cardinals. Okay, which isn't the worst news there. Kenny Kenny Pickett hurt his ankle, according to reports, he's going to miss two to four weeks. The Browns get thumped by the Rams, thirty-six to nineteen, after the Rams pulled away in the fourth quarter. And then the Texans beat. Oh, who the Texans beat? Oh my gosh, this is gonna bother me. Um, the Texans won. That's that's the point. Okay, Texans win. So now, Colts are seven and five. The Texans are seven and five. The Steelers are seven and five, and the Browns are seven and five. So now let's let's look at all these teams. Let's start with the team that has the five seed currently. That is the Pittsburgh Steelers. With this Kenny Pickett injury, there is now a real chance that the AFC South can get three teams into the playoffs. Okay, the Browns are going to struggle to score in the rest of their games. I'm sorry, but 38, 38-year-old 38 Joe Flacco isn't going to take them to the playoffs. It's not happening. It's not happening. Now, look, that defense can carry them to victories, but the defense has slowly gotten worse as the year's gone on. They've gotten a little banged up. But against better teams on the Browns' schedule, they're going to have to score points. Like, they, they still have to play the Jaguars. Guess what? You're going to have to score points if you want to beat Trevor Lawrence. And then guess what? they, they got to play the Texans. And guess what? you got to score points if you want to beat C.J. Stroud and the Texans. For the Steelers, you know, as I just said, Kenny Pickett out for the next two to four weeks. Their next four games are against the Patriots, which is very winnable without Pickett. Then the Colts. They aren't going to have Pickett. It's a Mitch Trubisky game. And guess what? The Steelers may not get him back for the Bengals game or the Seahawks game. And then they finish up with the Ravens. Like, there's a real chance that, you know, over the next four weeks, the, you know, the Steelers go 2-2, two and two, right? They, they beat the Pats and the Bengals, and they lose to the Seahawks and the Colts. They look up. You know, they're 9-7. They're and seven, And then they have to play the Ravens, who could be competing for the one seed that week. It's very possible. I mean, look, all four of these teams could finish at 10-7. and seven. And due to the injuries, the Colts and Texans could have the tiebreakers, which I don't know how all that would work. I know the Browns beat the Colts earlier in the year, then if the Colts beat the Steelers, and then the Texans beat the Browns. Like, how does all that kind of shake out? I don't know. We'll wait till we get there to figure all that stuff out. But who would have thought that headed into Week 14, we'd be talking about the AFC South putting not not two teams, but three teams in the playoffs? Right, because obviously the Jags, like they're probably going to win that division. But then the Colts and the Texans taking up, you know, the fifth and the sixth seed or, or whatever it ends up being. I mean, who would have thought? Um, either way, I, I think that you'd have a really hard time arguing about this next, arguing against this next thing that I'm about to say. I don't know how Shane Steichen or D'Amico Ryan's are not the are not the coach of the year. It's it's got to be one of the two. I would lean towards Shane Steichen personally, just because. He's doing all this with a backup quarterback, which is something that really needs to be addressed. Shane Steichen has done an outstanding job. They ditched Darius Leonard. Jonathan Taylor hasn't played half the season. You know, your fourth overall pick starting quarterback goes out early. 
You're leaning on Gardner Minshew and Minshew Mania, and they just keep figuring out ways to win. I cannot say enough about Shane Steichen and the job that he has done in Indianapolis this season. Yeah, and because of the job that he has done, this Colts team has a really good chance at making the playoffs now. If they beat the Steelers, it's going to be really hard to keep them out because the rest of their schedule is pretty soft as well. Now, let's get to what was supposed to be the game of the week. And before I get into this 49ers-Eagles game, I do want to note, in case I forget, that the Eagles were missing their starting linebackers. It's very important whenever we talk about this game. Now, the Eagles come out first quarter, and they dominate the line of scrimmage, right? 49ers put up negative six yards in the first quarter. That is the least amount of yards gained by a Kyle Shanahan offense in San Francisco and his entire seven-year tenure there, okay? It was a dominant first quarter performance by this Eagles team. The 49ers defense held their own, though. They held the Eagles offense to six points on two red zone trips, okay? The game would have been entirely different if those had been touchdowns, Okay, if it's 14-0 after the first quarter, I mean, Purdy's having to throw the ball. The Eagles defensive front, they would have pinned their ears back, go get him. But it wasn't, and we have to credit the 49ers defense for standing tall in the red zone. I thought it was really impressive. I think that's the biggest part of the game that people weren't really talking about. And once the 49ers offensive line figured it out, the game flipped. Right, They hit Debo Samuel on that little mesh concept. You know, He's wide open. He takes off for the first down, and from that moment on, the 49ers offense was incredible, okay? And Purdy had time, and he picked apart the 29th-ranked Eagles passing defense. They ran the ball at will against the third-ranked rushing defense in the NFL. Let me say it again. Eagles starting linebackers were not playing, okay? And walking away from the game, keeping in mind, as I'm going to say for the third time now, the Eagles did not have their starting linebackers. Walking away, though, I think that the Eagles' defense is overly reliant on their defensive line. Okay, if the, if the defensive line doesn't get pressure, the secondary, it can't hold up. If they aren't shedding blocks, stopping the run, hitting the running back before he gets going, then their opponent is going to have success running the football because even though the Eagles' starting linebackers were out, that is not a position that the Eagles sink a whole bunch of money into. Never has been. Okay? Now, here's the thing. The good news for the Eagles and for Eagles fans is that this defensive front is deep and it's very talented. But there are teams out there, like the 49ers, who are just as talented on the offensive line. And I don't know how the Eagles are going to be able to stop these offenses that have good offensive lines that are talented, that can somewhat neutralize the depth and talent that they have in their front four. Now, look, as, I, as I've said, this Eagles front four, ridiculously talented, ridiculously deep. They're going to have moments throughout games where they shine. But if for three quarters, the offensive line for the 49ers looks like that, then I don't know how the Eagles are going to beat them. I genuinely don't know how. Especially when the secondary has been atrocious this year. And so, like, Because I, I think that that's how you beat the 49ers. You have to lure Brock Purdy into mistakes, right? Like the three games that we've seen them lose this year... It's been because Brock Purdy's thrown bad interceptions, and there, and he's been pressured, and he's forced the ball, and he's thrown the ball behind some guys and things of that nature. So the way to beat him is to heat him up, and the best way to do that is to stop the run first, which this Eagles defense can do, right? As I said, this is the third-ranked rushing defense in the NFL. It's really impressive. But 
But if you don't have the guys on the back end to cover, then you're going to be in trouble playing against Kyle Shanahan because he schemes stuff open, as well as anybody in the NFL. So that was kind of my takeaway there, and then we're going to close it out with the Sunday night football game last night. Now, for the first time in my life, in my life, I'm 23 years old, I'll be 24 tomorrow. The Miami Dolphins, after 13 weeks of NFL football, have the number one seed in the AFC. And I am doing my absolute best to not go absolutely insanely bonkers crazy excited about it. Because they're 9-3, and three, and so are the Ravens, and they have to play each other here in the coming weeks. And it's going to be a great game, can't wait to watch it. Dolphins also have the Cowboys coming up. Like, they've got some real tough games out there. And I was talking to one of my coworkers today, and he's he's a Chiefs fan. We were talking about the Dolphins and the Chiefs, and he just kind of asked me, he's like, hey, man, like, are you thinking, like, Super Bowl? Are you excited? And I was like, try not to think Super Bowl. I'm trying not to get overly excited. Because here's the reality of the Miami Dolphins. Their best win just hit me. The Texans beat the Broncos this week. Sorry. Dolphins' best win is the Broncos, who are now 6-6. Six and six. And, look, they have as many, they don't have a win against a team with a winning record anymore because the Broncos lost and they're now 500 on the season. And until we see them beat a legitimately good team, it's going to be really hard to take Miami seriously. Now, them having home field advantage all the way through the playoffs, that's really going to help them. They're undefeated at home this season. They don't lose at home. It's a tough place to go to go and win because of the heat and just the weather's really different and it's humid and it's a tough place to go win, and they're really fast, and they're they're tough. But the question is, are they going to be able to beat some of these better teams who can match them offensively and can give them problems on the perimeter? So I'm excited to watch kind of the rest of the season unfold. Dolphins, though, currently have the one seed. Super excited. The Chiefs, I just I don't know what to make of them because if history has taught us anything, if you have the best quarterback in the league like the Chiefs do, then they have to be taken seriously at all times. And when you have one of the best coaches in the NFL, like the Chiefs do, that is even more of a reason to take the team seriously at all times. And when they have the best receiving tight end in the NFL, then you're like, that's another really good reason to take them seriously. And then you look at the defense and how many young studs they have on it. You're like, I have to take this team seriously. And then you see them lose and get diced up by Jordan Love and the Packers, and it's like, do do I need to take this team seriously? I just I don't know what to do with the Chiefs, right? Because I've seen them play so many times, and I know what they're capable of. I know what Patrick Mahomes can do because we've seen him do it over and over and over again. And we've seen Andy Reid pull plays out of his butt and put them on paper, and they make it work somehow. And it's incredible to watch. And my eyes are telling me that the 49ers, excuse me, that the Chiefs are not a threat in the AFC. My eyes are telling me it's all about the Ravens. That's what my eyes are telling me. But my brain knows who Patrick Mahomes is. And so for those of y'all out there who are tempted to be like, you know what? I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I like the Chiefs. I don't know. Don't do it. You're going to regret it. Okay, this is the same as saying that LeBron James is going to fall off because it just doesn't happen. It's the same as saying, oh, Tom Brady should retire after this year because it's not going to happen. And he's going to come back and he's going to lead the league in passing yards. Don't do it. Do not write off this Chiefs team. They're going to figure it out at some point because they're the Chiefs and it's Andy Reid and it's Patrick Mahomes with a really good defense. The best defense Patrick Mahomes has had during his time in Kansas City. 
Okay, they don't have to figure it out all the way. If this Chiefs team can score 24 points a night, they're going to be really hard to beat because their defense is that good. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to hit on the NBA in-season tournament. That starts tonight, and then we're going to wrap it up. So thank you so much for listening. We're going to take a short break, and I'll be right back with more Shooting the Schmidt. The NBA in-season tournament starts tonight. Can't wait for it. Celtics at Pacers. Pelicans at Kings following right afterwards. And then tomorrow night, Tuesday night, Knicks at Bucks, Suns at Lakers. I am so incredibly excited about this. It, it, this is a March Madness feel that has been brought to the NBA. And it's going to be really exciting. This should be high-level basketball from eight really good basketball teams. And look, maybe you're like how I used to be. You used to be like, you know what? Basketball season starts on Christmas. The NBA season starts on Christmas. Before then, I'm only watching football. Don't do that. Don't do it. You should watch these games. That seriously, you should watch these games because it's going to be wildly entertaining. So I've just I've written a couple of short sentences on why you should tune in and watch the NBA in-season tournament, okay? First and foremost, high-level basketball from eight good teams. All eight of these teams are at least good. Okay, the Celtics might be the best team in the NBA, and they're playing, I'd say, arguably the best offense in the NBA, but the Pacers have the number one offensive rating in the NBA. This game is going to be high scoring because the Pacers are going to put the ball in the basket. The Celtics are going to put the ball in the basket. The Pacers have the number one offensive rating in the NBA and the number 30th ranked defensive rating in the NBA. So the Celtics are going to score. The Pacers are going to score. Should be up and down. Should be a lot of fun to watch. Those two teams go get at it. Next game tonight, Pelicans and Kings. This game should be very fast-paced. There should be a lot of scoring. These are two young teams trying to make a name for themselves. The Kings have come on a little bit stronger than the Pelicans have. But this is a loaded Western Conference. These are two of the more fun teams to watch. Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram taking on De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis. Should be a lot of fun. Can't wait to watch this game. That's happening in Sacramento. One of the best environments in the NBA. Can't wait to watch the game happen there. And then tomorrow night, first game is Knicks and Bucks. These are two teams with contrasting styles with good players. Okay, the Bucks, they're going to score and struggle to defend, while the Knicks are going to defend and struggle to score. There will be no shortage of elite offensive guard play in this game between Jalen Brunson and Damian Lillard. You need to watch that game, especially if you haven't been watching the Knicks. Jalen Brunson, that he's so good. Dare I say one of the best eight guards in the NBA? Yeah, I said that. One of the best eight guards in the NBA. He's been that good. You need to tune in and watch that Knicks game. And then finally, finally, you you have to watch this one. If you don't watch this one, I, I think you're just you're bonkers crazy. It's the Suns and the Lakers. It is Kevin Durant against LeBron James. This is the first time. We're going to get to see LeBron James and Kevin Durant play against each other in a playoff-like setting since the 2018 NBA Finals. And if that alone isn't a good enough reason to watch, then I don't know what to tell you. These games should be fun. I'm going to give you my predictions really quickly. I think the Pacers win tonight against the Celtics. The Pelicans beat the Kings. The Bucks beat the Knicks. And the Suns beat the Lakers. That is my prediction. Can't wait for it. Should be really good. Um, so, yeah, that's going to do it here for the Shooting the Schmidt podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. You know, if you've got some things that you want to say to me, you can follow me on Twitter at underscore, underscore, Jonathan Smith. 
And then, of course, like, subscribe, share with your friends, do all those types of things. And thank you again for listening. I'll talk to you again on Wednesday. Um, Yeah, can't wait to get into it. Going to be a lot of basketball, as it always is on Wednesdays. So, once again, that's going to do it here. Thank you again for listening, and I'll talk to you again on Wednesday.